You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. Tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers beat Illinois 92-74 to in a game that saw uh, IU's offense really you know, rack up 52 points in the first half, scored, I think, 50, maybe 52 points in the paint over the course of the game, uh, got off to a hot start, shot the ball well enough from three-point range in the first half, really opened up some driving lanes to the basket, and they continued to hammer it in the lane and uh, and move through uh, an Illinois team and pick up a huge road win for this team that's trying to work their way back into the NCAA tournament conversation. So with the win, the Hoosiers move to 16 and 14 and 7 and 12 in Big Ten play heading into the regular season finale against Rutgers on Sunday. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we will break down tonight's game for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for me, it could have just been any time that Rob Finnessy was doing anything, I feel like. But, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to talk about a couple plays Duran made that I thought were really important uh, in the first half. Uh, Illinois had uh, they, they had gotten uh, up. They hit a couple threes early. They hit a lot of threes early, quite frankly. But they had gotten down, gotten IU down by four. Uh, Duran then scored a, a big and one, sparked an 8-0 run that really allowed IU to take the lead. And I'm not exactly sure if Illinois ever took the lead back at that point once IU took it there. And that was, uh, you know, one of many guys who really came in and contributed off the bench for IU. I thought Duran, uh, short of, you know, getting involved with the officials a little bit and a little bit with the uh, the big guys from Illinois, I thought he had so many key moments where he really made big shots. And to me, that was one where, you know, Illinois gets hot. We've seen this team fall into those ruts uh, at other times in the season where other team comes out, hits a bunch of threes, IU falls behind and isn't really able uh, to rebound and come back. And I thought that big and one from Duran in that situation turned the game around early, uh, gave IU some additional confidence to be able to score. And they uh, and and I don't think they ever looked back. Like I said, I don't believe they ever uh, they ever trailed from that point forward. So a lot of banner moments uh, to pick from in a game that saw IU score 92 points and you know, arguably their best offensive game in quite some time, maybe since Marquette, uh, quite honestly. Uh, but a number of guys contributed, and I thought that play from Duran was big and was emblematic of the way that he played over the course of the game. I'm sure there will be other banner moments that we'll talk about over the course of tonight, but uh, I'll go with that one. And today's Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you'll find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. Both, both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. With the Big Ten and NCAA tournament looming, we hope. Be sure to check out Homefields Indiana all the way 
t-shirt featuring an IU basketball design made popular during the school's championship runs. And of course, you should check out the Tri-Blend fleece hoodie with the old school IU Bison logo, which we were excited to see many people wearing in and around Assembly Hall last weekend. I will also note that Ryan wore the, uh, wore the hoodie in a photo shoot that we did for the alumni magazine. So I would encourage you to get yours now before demand skyrockets when that issue of the alumni magazine comes out, I believe sometime over the summer. Trendsetter, folks. Trendsetter. Absolutely. Of course, when you do that, don't forget to use promo code assembly at checkout for 15% off your entire order on either site. That's promo code assembly at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to find, move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts on the rest of our team. We'll start with Ryan and his rant for tonight's game. Ryan, I don't know that there's a whole lot to rant about, in a, at least not in a negative way, but uh, what do you got from the game tonight? Here's my rant. Where has this been? No, uh, legitimately from these guys, this was a great performance, and and I, I said it on Twitter. It's amazing what a little confidence will do for you, and you know, this team, I, they missed like their first four three-pointers or th- four of their first five or something, and they just kept shooting because they're confident, and they started making them. And seven for 20 isn't a great night, but you could see that those six they made in the first half really set Illinois up to get torched in the middle. And they were scoring in, in the paint in the first half, too. I mean, this was just a great offensive performance. And I think people have been asking all year, well, what is this offense supposed to be? What's it supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like what we saw tonight. A lot of driving and decisions made off of those drives, whether to kick it out and then get another drive, whether to get, you know, a, a lot of people have talked about the dribble handoffs and the and the dribble, you know, getting the pick and roll up top. What is that supposed to do? Well, those ball handers are supposed to turn the corner and head head north-south, head towards the hoop. And they hadn't been a lot this year. They've been just kind of, you know, going back out to the wing and passing the buck to somebody else. Rob Finnessy tonight, showed what this offense is supposed to have. And he showed why Archie Miller valued him so highly and put out all the stops to recruit him. It's because he's the kind of point guard that Archie Miller wants. He's a guy who gets into the teeth of the defense and makes defenses make decisions on who they're going to cover. If they're not going to guard him, he's going to finish at the rim. If they do, he's going to get it to somebody else who can do something, or he's going to get it to somebody who can get it to somebody who can do something. And Rob Finnessy just owned this game tonight. And, And I think that we said earlier in the year, um, in a game, I don't remember which one it was, but we said, yeah, he's the point guard. It's like, you know, he has earned the point guard position. This was, you know, pre-Big Ten season. We said, this dude has earned the point guard spot. It's his. Obviously, unfortunately, had the concussion, is out for a while, and that his exit sort of coincided with the downturn of this season. Now we're seeing him get into rhythm and get back up, and it's showing you how important a point guard like him is a guy who's a two-way player. We've seen the defense. Tonight we saw the offense and what he can do and just carve up a team and just keep the ball moving north and south. You know, keep it instead of side to side. He is moving it up and down. Doesn't take bad shots. Um, he'll force a layup every now and then that maybe, you know, he's going in against the big guys. But at least when you're in, when you're in the paint, you can get fouled or something. And the fact that he possessed the ball as much as he did tonight, he in 32 minutes, he had 17 points, five assists, which I'm shocked it's not more than five assists the way he was moving the ball around, but one rebound, and he didn't have any turnovers in 32 minutes at the point guard position against a team that turns people over. Uh, that was it, it just an impressive point guard performance, the best we've seen since Yogi Ferrell was here. Um, and, and you look at fantasy and you say, that's what's been missing for this team for the past couple months and fantasy has slowly come back, but now it looks, it feels like he's back at the level he was before his concussion and it changes this team. And, and you've seen in the last couple games, this team starting to get confidence, def- confidence defensively, starting to get more confidence defensively. And now the ball's moving on offense. They're, 
They're beating teams in the paint. They're doing all the things they did earlier in the year that made them great. They didn't shoot it great earlier in the year either, they, but they shot okay, and, and they beat the teeth. They kept people's teeth in in the paint, and that's what they did tonight, and that's what this team is supposed to do. They just dropped 92 points on the road. You look at this team right now. I don't know if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, but I will tell you what. If you're a team that is going to be in a draw right now where Indiana gets on your side, you don't want to play them right now. They've got a lottery pick. They've got a senior in Morgan, who can get a double-double anytime he steps on the floor. And then they've got all these other talented guys who can do things, and each fits a different role. This is a team I don't want to face. And I don't want to face them in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament either. So if Indiana comes out on Sunday and takes care of business, you got to think they're the most dangerous team of the you know not top four seeds in the Big Ten tournament come, come next week. I would agree. Uh, next, we'll go over to Coach. Uh, Brian Tonsoni has agreed to join us. Jared's internet... Uh, did not survive, did not survive the day, as I said. So, Coach, as always, is our uh, our sixth man ready to step in at any time. So, uh, Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What do you have on your mind tonight? Yeah, one, it was a great win. It's nice to see uh, ninety two points. I thought this was a matchup that Indiana needed at this time because Coach Underwood is not going to sit and sag off shooters in the lane and close up the lane, which teams have done all Big Ten season. He was going to come out. And, and pressure the ball and getting passing lanes, which opened up back cuts, which opened up one-on-one play in the post, which opened up Rob being able to drive. And, and the concern is turnovers. When, when you play Illinois, they're banking on you turning the ball over and heading towards the other end. And What's the average, like 16 and a half turnovers a game opponents have or something? Yeah. When you go into that game, you think you're going to get – last game, uh, Indiana had 15 turnovers in one and really had a, like a plus 25 streak from down 10 to plus 25 against Illinois. This is a team that Indiana matches up well because, exactly as Ryan said, they could drive, they can kick, they can find the open man, they can do what the offense is supposed to do. And, and this is what will happen when you have a couple of shooters to space the floor and teams have to stay out on three-point shooters and give more – area to drive the basketball it's what the offense is designed to do when all of the components are there Uh, our opponents have taken a uh, done a good job of taking away our key players throughout the league play because the 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 other players haven't stepped up smith hits some shots against michigan state uh green has come and played good team basketball you know i've been really disappointed with Devontae and down on Devontae. six assists tonight hit some big shots again when he plays for Indiana and for the program, he really, really brings a lot to the program. And, you know, we're just seeing when you have seven-man solid rotation and then you can throw McRoberts out for six minutes, Thompson out for three, Fitzner out for four, hits a big three to stretch a lead at a key point of the first half. It's obvious those of us who like Indiana are going to say, this is what Indiana should have been all year. Where's it been? But I, I think now, even even in some of the losses to Iowa and Ohio State, the team has been a lot more competitive, uh, and now they're getting their reward, and they need to focus in on two more games if, if they want to have a shot to continue beyond the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I so I wanted to talk about – Well, let me uh, – let me. I, I know I interrupt all the time, but the one thing that none of us mentioned in our intro was the team scored 92 points, and Romeo Lankford only had 10 of those. I mean – this was a team that like everybody got in on this and you didn't need Romeo. You didn't feel like Romeo was shying away from the action. You didn't feel like he was out of it. You just felt like it wasn't in the flow of the offense. So everybody else was getting their, 
getting their chances too. I mean, it, you know, some games you feel like Romeo's not driving. He needs to drive. He needs to drive. He needs to drive. I didn't feel that tonight. I felt like just other guys were stepping up and he was kind of just playing his role. Yeah. I mean, he took, he only took eight shots, um, had 10.6 rebounds, three assists was actually the only guy on the team to play over 32 minutes. Uh, he played 34. Uh, I thought he picked his spots a couple times in the first half and, and had a, a few nice drives to the basket. Almost felt like kind of letting Illinois know as, as he did in the first game, I can do this whenever I want. Um, and, and did it enough to, to remind everybody of that, but didn't, overly assert himself in the way that Illinois overplayed. There were just so many driving lanes to the basket that it was, um, you know, kind of easy for almost anybody to get where they wanted to go. And, and the thing I wanted to, to linger on for a moment before we get in, uh, before we take a break, uh, was the point guard play of Rob Finnessy, of Devontae Green. Those guys combined for 11 assists and zero turnovers against Illinois. Uh, both guys scored in double figures, 11 for Devontae and 17 for Rob. And I thought both really played – steady uh, you know Devonte. there were a couple times where he he you know pulled the ball back out or or slowed himself down a little bit and just made smart plays um i thought the one three in the second half that he made was maybe a little bit early in the possession when i was trying to run clock it definitely felt like a uh this better go in or you're gonna you know hear it from from coach but um i, I did i i was really impressed with those guys fantasy was fantastic continue to play Solid defense, um, had, you know, a nice block play where he tied somebody up uh, going to the basket. But he really, I mean, they were running stuff to get him, uh, you know, an open side of the floor where he could just drive to the basket. And he's really gotten better uh, over the course of his freshman year at really at being able to finish through contact and to uh, and to continue to play well. So, um, you know, a lot of people both in the chat and, and on the you know mentions are, are recommending him for the game ball, which. Uh, time will tell how that works out, but I think there's a reasonable chance that he ends up getting it. I, I think you really start to see him, you know, we've said this for a few games now, rounding back into form, and you look back at that stretch of really poor play, and you wonder how that might have been had he not uh, been working his way back from the concussion. So, Coach, anything else you want to hit on the point guard play before we uh, take yeah. a you know, this was a game where Archie said, hey, point guards, take over. And, and, and that's that north and south that Ryan was talking about. You try to go east and west and enter the ball into the wing, and they're going to deny and tip and steal. And then even in their 1-2-2 two, two pressure, they kept the ball in the middle. And then they broke it down and pulled back dribble. And then all of a sudden, the wings had to fall back into their their half-court defense. They never got any of that three-quarter, half-quarter trap um, stuff going and the point guards both of them did an excellent job of not getting into bad spaces which are the corners the sidelines they kept the ball in the middle and then Archie played a lot through the elbows uh, with screens at the elbows and high post entries through the elbows and, and then the guys were back cutting pressure and that's what you do against teams like Illinois and that's what again that's a great matchup for Indiana right now if they could execute and not turn it over, and boy, did they, and kudos to Coach Miller and, and the guys for executing the game plan, but if you don't have two point guards that go out and get 11 assists and no turnovers against that kind of defense, Cassius Winston had a ton when they got beat at Illinois, and Cassius Winston is a, is a fantastic point guard. I mean, this isn't just good point guard play, Andy. This is absolutely great point guard play. I mean, it's not playing Duke or anyone like that, but this is still a tough team the way Underwood coaches uh and um just fabulous uh, guard play and fabulous trust from archie to put it in their in the point guards hands 
All right, coming up, we're going to continue our breakdown of Indiana's 92-74 to victory over Illinois. We'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game, and there are a lot of good stats to talk about from this one. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. are listening to the assembly call iu postgame show i'm andy bottoms here with ryan phillips and the coach brian tonsoni as we break down iu's 92 to 74 win at illinois and it's time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed and there were a handful of these for me in the game but i'll talk about one with uh zach mcroberts he you know his senior season has not gone as well as he would have liked it to for sure but you know and, and we've been able to to highlight fewer you know, Zach McRoberts things uh, that happened over the course of the game and hustle plays than we would like. But there was a play uh, in the uh, in the second half where IU, I think they were up 19 at the time. So not a super important moment in the game, given what the score was. But uh, Rob, I think it was Robert Devante missed a three. McRoberts taps it back out. IU settles things back down. It ends in a Justin Smith uh, dunk or layup that put the lead back up over 20. Uh, and maybe got it over 20 for the first time. But I thought it was good to see him be able to come in for a few minutes, contribute, uh, and do some of the things that we'd hope to see from him uh, from him there. And then the, the other you know stretch that I'll mention, um, it was early in the second half. IU came out, scored the first five points of the half. I think Juwan scored the first five points of the half himself. Uh, IU makes a turnover. Illinois scores four straight. And then just to go back to Finnessy, he made like a, a fake and then spun past the guy to score at the rim, scored another basket and a couple possessions there. And it was a chance that Illinois could have gotten the lead potentially. You know, if IU doesn't score and Illinois does, they push the lead back under under 10. Uh, but Finnessy makes that big, you know, spin move there. Uh, got Stephen Bardo excited, which, um, you know, what I'll, I'll withhold comment on that. But, um, you know, really, really impressed him and, uh, you know, made a couple big plays there just in a key moment where, you could have let up, could have let Illinois feel like they were back in the game, uh, and Rob made big plays on a number of occasions to uh, to push him back over there. Ryan, any any moments stand out to you? You know, it, there wasn't one moment, but I just I, I thought I, I would have gone with the Zachary Roberts thing too. That definitely stood out to me as just sort of a momentum thing. Is you know Illinois trying to claw back into it, really pressuring on that possession, and he knocks that rebound back, and it just kind of is you know, settled everything for Indiana and Indiana's not comfortable with a big lead like that because they haven't had them this year, you know? And, and so that really kind of just settled things down. But uh, I think Deron Davis hitting the two flagrant free throws, uh, just the situation in the game, Illinois was ready to start melting down and he stepped up and calmly hit those free throws and everything was going kind of crazy uh, on that hook and hold call. Uh, you could give any number for Deron tonight. There were a couple of times Deron got in Illinois guys faces without, you know, pushing or shoving and just kind of like it was talking and was kind of just, he, you could tell he's, he's asserting himself more um, with his mouth and, and uh, obviously with his physical play. Um, and I think that's huge for this team, especially given that they've missed him this year so much. Uh, so I think he's like an honorable mention, meaningful moment all over this game. Really. Uh, there were so many little moments and, and I just, I think that playing 15 minutes, and standing out the way he did, yeah, he got teed up. And I said that was dumb. I don't think you can talk back to the officials in that situation when your team's up by a lot. But, um, you know, 
other than that, I thought that he really was a guy who uh, he sort of epitomized this game. I just felt like when he was in there, there was nothing Illinois was going to do to stop him anywhere. And I feel like he just kind of imposed his will on people in this game. Yeah, he he's a guy. He scored some some really nice plays, roll into the basket in the first half. Um, I was impressed how he catch and fin- how he was catching and finishing yeah. on that bad leg. Yeah, it, well, one of the things so you mentioned the free throw shooting, and this this may seem like nothing, but I tell you, you know, watching the team warm up a little bit on on uh, on Saturday when we were there against Michigan State, he was one of the last guys off the floor because he stood there and he practiced free throws for a little while extra when everybody else was kind of huddling up and getting ready to go. And it wasn't a situation where he was going to wait till he made one and then stop. Like he made one and then he wanted the ball back and he made another one and he wanted the ball back. He, he kept working on that. I think you see a guy who he's been really up and down over the course of his career as a free throw shooter, shot really well as a freshman, not so well last year at times has not shot it well this year. Um, but was good to see him be able to, you know, he was three of three from the line today. Those were big free throws, as you said, kind of got a little bit of the momentum back. You, you worry that I, you might give it back. Um, with him getting that technical, and I think I use up 17 or 19 at that point. You know, Illinois hits a couple hits the technical free throws and had two other free throws uh, that they missed um, that could have cut it to to 15. And so for him to do that, step out there and make those, I thought was really impressive and and at least a little bit of a sign of something that I picked up on when he was there uh, over the weekend. Uh, yeah, and a lot of times guys who aren't the go-to free throw shooter, like your point guard or whoever, when they stand at the line with nobody around, it's really weird for them to shoot free throws. And so the fact that he stood up and made it, I'm sure coach knows what that's like. It's you get a guy who's not your go-to free throw shooter standing at the line. You get nervous every time when there's nobody around because it's just an odd situation. It's weird and it's different. And I was impressed. He hit them both. Yeah. Coach, any moments stand out to you from the game? You know, I'll try to get through. There's a couple of them. One, you know, Devontae coming out of a timeout on defense gets beat on a back cut uh, by Frazier to the basket on an out-of-bounds play. And, and I write, wrote down, oh, no, is Devontae locked in? The next possession, he makes a great play with his hands on the sidelines to knock out uh, the ball, get a turnover, and go back. And right then, I, I, I thought that was a sign Devontae was locked in, that he overcame a mistake, and it didn't go two or three times, and, and that was – Good to see. I thought the other one was, um, I think it happened a couple times and probably a couple different um, fast breaks where the ball was stolen uh, and Illinois didn't get a shot at the rim. One was a fantasy block, I think, and something else. Those are momentum killers when a team has stopped Indiana and then tries to go on the on the break and, and get a couple points and there's a deflection. Uh, sorry, I said that word. Um, but th- there's a, you know, that those were big plays that sometimes it's not in the stat book and, and and we notice it when it happens, but that could have been a difference in in a, a run that could have gotten them back in and putting some game pressure uh, on Indiana. And then the third thing was how Indiana guarded that pinch post action in the first half. The guard was getting um, past that and able to drive baseline and causing rotation from the weak side, kicking baseline one more, and they were hitting wide open threes. There was an adjustment made. And the big was helping a little bit more. That, that's really tough action to guard in that tight spot where it starts on the left side. When they bring it back, it enters the post at the elbow is what I mean by the pinch post. And then the guard either goes for a handoff or sometimes the ball doesn't go to the pinch post. He just goes off a screen at the elbow, a ball screen at the elbow. That action is tough to guard. And I thought Indiana made a really good adjustment in the second half not to give up what they gave up in the, in the first half. So those three things, you know, those things add up. Uh, to and, and a lot of other little things, but those were three things that were on my mind. Yeah, one more I wanted to add was Devontae Green with about 4.05 to go, I think it was. Um, 
Indiana was up 13. Illinois was kind of hitting some threes and getting some momentum going. And he came down and, and uh, hit a three. And they hadn't hit a three. Indiana hadn't hit a three all throughout the entire second half. He stepped into one, nailed it. And that really, that was the end of the game for me. That kind of ended it for me. Um, that put him back up 16, 85. It's, I'm looking at it now 85, 69 with 405 left. And that kind of, that kind of just, you know, cinched any comeback they were having, uh, any comeback thoughts that, that, Illinois was having and Indiana kind of didn't trail. It didn't, I think that they, it, you know, got it back to about 13, but there was just not enough time left for a comeback. So that three pointer was really big. So kudos to Devante. We know he's had the confidence in his shot all year, whether it was warranted or not. And lately the last couple of games, it's been warranted. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I started to relax a little bit during that scenario and somebody tweeted at the uh, assembly call account. like, Oh, it's really nice to be able to kind of exhale and watch a game. And I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Good. I'm glad that you can relax, sir, but I was not relaxed at all. It was about a minute left, and I used up 16 that I finally looked over to my wife, and I was like, all right, I think I can actually relax now. Too many, uh, too many demons uh, have, uh, have reared their heads in previous IU games there that I was uh, – and, and this team's track record over the course of the season, uh, definitely not at a point yet where I felt uh, comfortable at any, at any stage. But I agree. There was a little bit of an exhale uh, at that point, as you said, when Devontae made that three. So, Especially because uh, it was kind of a questionable shot, given the situation. It, but. Uh, it most definitely was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it depends who you ask. They, they all look good when they go in, but, you know, what are you going to do? All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. Um, Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Brian Tonsoni, and now it's time to go inside the numbers. And, and guys, there are a lot of good numbers to look at in this game. IU, from a balance standpoint, has six or five guys in double figures, six guys with at least nine points. Uh, out rebounds Illinois 35 to 27 scores 52 points in the paint doubled them up in, in the in the paint 52 to 26 um, you know seven turnovers for the game five of those in the second half and uh, you know a few of those were late uh, in the game yeah, as one well of them was a really bad offensive foul call I mean there's you yeah know, I did a good job I ran the account and I made it uh, like 36 minutes before I complained about the officiating so that might good be a new job, record buddy be a new record for me. Uh, I mean, so a lot of good numbers to to hit tonight. Uh, Coach, I'll, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, which one of those seems most impactful to you? Which which other things that I didn't touch on uh, were uh, were meaningful as well? Well, I, I'm just dumbfounded at the number of turnovers, the low number of turnovers. Um, just absolutely necessary against a team like uh, Illinois to win on the road. And while I trusted our point guards and thought they were good, you know, I was thinking 15, 15 or 14, right around there, we have a chance to win in this game. And to, to have, what is it, seven uh, turnovers on the game is just absolutely remarkable. And, you know, there are a lot of numbers that stand out. You know, I like to see uh, Davis three for three from the free throw line. Uh, as we mentioned before, the two on the hook and hold, uh, and, and, you know, Fitzner four four minutes, three points, um, three pointers can be a dagger. So I got to give my boy Fitz uh, a little love there for uh, being very efficient. Uh, he had one go in and out too. It should yeah. be smooth. That was close. So, um, but, the, but the other thing that, that I'll say too, is, is nine, was it nine players played, uh, seven significant minutes and, uh, I think you're seeing uh, the value of of having a a full bench or as full as you can with with some of the injuries. And uh, if McRoberts can get back to playing double digits, that would be a nice eight man rotation going into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, those are some numbers that I like, and I think that's why Indiana 
is um, playing better basketball. Uh, Ryan, what number stood out to you? Well, I, I mean, the 55% field goal percentage is big for me, considering they shot 35% from three, which is fine, but they shot 64.4% from two, which means they were getting great shots. They were shooting it in close. They were, you know, pounding in the paint. We know that by the paint touches and, and the paint scores. Um, but also, I, I think was big and things that you don't expect a lot from this Indiana team was they won the points on off turnovers battle, 17 to 10. They won the uh, second chance points battle, 14 to 10. They won the bench points, 24 to 19. And they won the fast break points, 14 to 9. Things that we haven't seen this team do during when they were losing, playing losing basketball. Um, and then steals 6 to 2 against a team that, you know, creates a lot of steals. Um, so those, and I think just hitting those six threes in the first half was huge to get this team to a point where the offense was spread out. The defense had to, you know, play out on the perimeter, had to respect the three point shot. Even I think they, they only went like one of five in the second half or something like that. Um, let's see. Yeah, it was one, one of three, of, one of three in the second. They only took, they, they took 17 threes in the first half and only took three in the second half. So uh, they really smartened up. They played like you're supposed to play when you have a lead. You don't need to fire three pointers when you have a lead, if you're pounding it inside and getting good looks. Um, so I just, I thought they played very smart and, and uh, you know, of course the turnover numbers, as you guys both mentioned uh, you know, seven turnovers and five of them in the second half. And some of them came off of, you know, uh, an offensive foul or some of them. I mean, there were a couple that were just nice plays by Illinois defensively. So um, really, really impressed with the way they, they kept the ball and, and were able to handle it. Yeah. Just to circle back to a couple other quick things that I, that I noticed it, you mentioned I, you only shot three threes in the second half. They were 16 of 21 on twos in the first half. And so you could tell that was a focus. And, and in our uh, text chat during the game, I know Jared, wrote something that it was similar to the uh, to the Wisconsin game where you hit some big threes in the first half and really just pounded it inside, hardly took any in the second. Um, so that definitely was a, a theme that had uh, come through in that scenario. IU's free throw defense continues to be outstanding, 12 of 22 from the line for Illinois. Um, but, you know, 13 more field goal attempts for IU, that was something that got brought up after the Michigan State game. IU had uh, 13 offensive rebounds in this game. And seven turnovers, uh, you know, only seven turnovers. So, you know, those things add up to getting more opportunities to score. And, you know, I, I thought it was a really impressive all-around performance uh, from IU from a statistical standpoint. There were a lot of uh, a lot of good things to point at. IU did a good job of getting to the line in the second half, 11 out of 16 after only shooting two free throws in the first half. Got Illinois in foul trouble pretty early to the point where I thought the game may last forever. Uh, I think I was in the bonus not very long into the second half, and they were able to take advantage of that at times uh, and get to the line and be able to uh, to make some shots. Coach, you said you had one more, uh, yeah, one more stat to hit. Just, just interesting looking at the box score that Justin Smith had 12 shots after his big breakout game, and I think he had 19, and there was some rumbling about how do you let Justin Smith shoot 19 times against Michigan State. But what I think that number shows as a coach is that uh, I don't remember him really taking any bad ones of the 12. Uh, he was out running the break. Uh, he was um, playing with poise as he backed down a smaller defender, uh, shot the ball with confidence. Uh, and I and sometimes when players have a breakout game, they think a little too highly of themselves. Yeah, come back that was my concern. Shots, you know, like, oh, my gosh, Justin Smith thinks he's going to score 24 points a game. And, uh, you know, and then you add seven rebounds. And, and really the best thing was on his first defensive closeout, I thought it was perfect. And that's the kind of things that I look for from Justin. That's not a stat, but uh, so all around, you know, you're not talking about Justin Smith being a big 
part of this game because there were other players that were were huge factors. But he was I thought he was locked in right away. He handled success uh, extremely well, and I think that's what the twelve shots and hitting seven to twelve and and scoring fifteen points and seven rebounds and, and did not take a three after hitting four. That was what uh, I was going to say. You know mm-hmm. that that's that's discipline, and that's you know uh, you got to give some of that to Archie and film session and talking and. You know, if you're open, shoot it. If you're not, don't force it. And and maybe this team is starting to say, you know what, well, we need to bond together and listen. And that's coaches and players all together. And and, and you know, knock on wood, maybe we've seen a epiphany with this with this ball club. Well, worth worth noting on one of those uh, Justin Smith misses. He took 12 shots, and you look at that, and you say, well, that's a lot. Well, one of them, he kind of lost the ball going up, and I think the ref thought it was deflected. I couldn't tell because they didn't show a replay of it. He caught it and put it back in, so it was almost like one shot. Another one, he missed a layup that Jawan got and put back in. I mean, so these are productive misses, too. When, you, when you're missing and you're getting the rebound and putting it back in or one of your teammates is, that's different than taking a 15-foot jumper and just missing by a foot. You know, I mean, so there, you know, his game tonight was very product, uh, productive despite taking 12 shots. He had 15 points in 27 minutes, seven rebounds. I mean, this is a different kid the last couple of games. It really is. And I was as hard his as talent he, is showing. His yeah, talent is shining now because of his, his locked in attitude. Yeah. And he's, he's making basketball a lot easier is, you know, he's backdoor cutting, getting a great pass from Devonte green and laying it in. I mean, you know, attacking the hoop for him should be easy. And you're seeing him start to get, you know, get a six, four guy on him, start backing him down and and attacking that way. I mean, he's making the game a lot easier for himself than he was a couple weeks ago where he's over dribbling and maybe trying to attack too much and, you know, attack with the ball too much. And um, so I've been as hard on him as anybody. And I will say the last three games, Justin Smith has been fantastic and, and whatever he's doing, whatever he's eating, whatever he's drinking, uh, whatever time he's going to bed, don't change anything because this is what Indiana needs from you right now. Yeah. He had a couple of really nice turnaround jump shots, uh, on the baseline that it was a wrinkle. I don't know that we've seen from him this year. At least I don't recall very many, uh, but did kind of what, what you guys said was able to back people down. Uh, and take a nice under control, you know, turnaround jump shot, use his athleticism to be able to elevate and and make some shots. So, uh, and again, getting him out in transition is always a good thing. That dunk he had toward the end off the nice feed from Devante was the uh, was truly hammering the nail in the coffin. And and so it was a, another solid performance. I think that was one of the things that everybody was really curious about was how he and Devante would follow up their uh, their performances against Michigan State. And they followed that up by combining to score twenty six points, grab eleven rebounds dish out six assists and not turn the ball over once. So I would say they responded pretty well. Mission accomplished. uh, Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we'll continue our breakdown of Indiana's 92 to 74 victory over Illinois and actually talk about the guy who led the five Hoosiers in in double figures as we have yet to talk about Juwan Morgan. So we'll talk about him when we come back after the break. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following the IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 fellow IU fans are subscribed. 
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And we are breaking down IU's 92-74 to road win against Illinois. And guys, we have yet to talk about Juwan Morgan, who I thought had a really good game. I think it speaks volumes to how well everybody else played. The fact that we uh, have not yet talked about a guy who had 20 points and 9 rebounds, shot 9 of 14 in uh, from the floor in yeah, 31 minutes. scorer um, and rebounder hasn't gotten to mention. Yeah, yeah, we haven't mentioned him. So maybe that's on us. Maybe that speaks well of how everybody else is playing. Uh, but I certainly, you know, he took a couple threes in the first half when uh, at times IU got a little three happy, but he really uh, asserted himself, particularly at the beginning of the second half where he basically pivoted, drove right down the throat of Illinois' defense uh, and, and got an easy layup, scored an and one, the following possession, really got IU off to a good start and had a number of big buckets uh, fighting for rebounds inside. So, so Ryan, we have yet to talk about your Juwan, but uh, I'll give you the floor first to, to give your impressions of his performance tonight. I'll tell you, his biggest basket was when they came right out of halftime, got him the ball at the top of the key, and he drove right by uh, Georgie B. Georgie, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to try the, the last name. Uh, drove right by him for a layup. And, and that was, you know, it was the message was, we're still attacking. You know, we don't, we're not going to come out with one of these slow starts. We are attacking. And I think you said he had the first five points of the first half for Indiana. Yeah, the second uh, half. Or second half, I mean, yeah, uh, first five points of the second half. And, you know, he was very steady. He took those two threes. I didn't like either one of them because I just lately he has not been hitting those shots. Uh, but nine of 14 from the field, nine of 12 from two, uh, two of three from the free throw line. Uh, he played well despite, you know, getting some fouls. And, and this could have been one of those games where he had three fouls, got a quick fourth. He didn't, but I'm saying he could have gotten a quick fourth, and then you're like, oh, gosh, you know, guys start get, looking around and getting nervous. He didn't do that. He defended without fouling. If if Georgie uh, had had an easy layup, he left him. Uh, just, hey, put that bucket in. We can't afford to lose Juwan on both sides of the floor. Um, but I thought he played pretty good defense without fouling for the most part. He wound up with four, but uh, really one of those, the the final, the fourth was a charging call that I thought was terrible. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, but you no, know, I just thought it was it was a great night for Jawan and, and you know one rebound from from a double double from you know your senior and I think that during these uh, during this stretch of losses he's had some games where statistically he's played pretty well but you felt like maybe he wasn't in the game necessarily or into the team concept not that he was checked out of it but that it just wasn't flowing well with everybody and tonight even you know scoring twenty points this was more impressive than some of his other games because he played within sort of his role and, and played great team defense and played great team offense was out there setting and rolling really hard on, on the pick and roll screens. And uh, I just thought that uh, there were a couple times where a couple guys lost their cool too on Illinois and he didn't get caught up in any of that. He just kind of walked away, which I mean, Juwan's a really mature kid. We, we don't expect him to get caught up in that stuff, but still, on the road in a big game, it's impressive that your senior leader doesn't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Um, so really just a steady, steady game. Somebody in the chat said, just said it was quiet. It was a quiet night for Juwan a little bit and it kind of was, but it was incredibly effective. And he may, you know, it felt like a lot, a couple times they needed a pretty big bucket and he got it. And it was just kind of like, okay, order is restored. We're back to where we need to be. So I think, I think it was a great, performance by Juwan but again kind of quiet you know you're I, I focused uh you know watching the game I just thought fantasy was the star of the game but Juwan was the guy who wound up you know getting as much done for Indiana as anybody you know and you think um I was worried uh, at the start of the game because I think he is now trying to not get fouls early in the game and 
so I, I typed in my notes that Georgie V was kicking his rear end early. I thought he got two nice catches in the post and then scored. But I'd almost rather that happen than him trying to fight hard. I think Juwan has one speed, and that is playing hard. And at times, that's why he's gotten two fouls early, because he shows up to play, and he's playing like it's the last three minutes of a close game. Right, and he's facing, guys, he's facing guys that are bigger and stronger and can yeah. shoot over and so, so maybe that's his, you know, we're sitting there going, come on, fight harder, play harder. And But the thing that's really impressive about Juwan is his rebounding. I love that when he holds someone off with one hand and just goes up like a man and rips that – that ball down and, and, and rebounds. And I, I thought today, once he got going and I thought it, he settles up for those threes, which bother me too, I think early in, in hat in the first half, but um, you know, he's such a key to the performance of Indiana that it's nice to see him be more aggressive. And again, I think he finally had mo- lane to move and room to move today. Uh, which he has not had for the majority of the Big Ten, and that has yeah, everyone's to be been doubling. Everyone's been you doubling know? so hard on him, and and it's frustrating when you're a guard and they're face guarding you and and not letting you get a catch, and it's it's hard when you're a post player and every catch you get doubled, or or just the fact that there are people in the lane you can't cut and can't you know um, slip a a, a ball screen because there's just no room and I thought the matchup tonight really afforded uh, Jawan some opportunities to do that, and, and I thought that he. Uh, he stepped up and, and did a nice job. I thought, you know, talking about free throws, I thought he hit two key free throws too. And the game was never in doubt. But us Indiana fans always, when it gets down to 13 or 14, you're like, we need to stop and we need to score to make sure this thing doesn't get momentum because you're afraid of that nine-point lead um, turning yes. that place into a madhouse. But I thought the, the right. bigs did a nice job and he hit some some key free throws. But all, all around, uh, a great performance uh, by Morgan. So wanted to hit on the, the coaching staff a little bit in this one. I, I think, you know, Coach, you brought up a few of these things, the, some of the actions they ran. There was a lot of backdoor cuts. There were certain sets where it was just, you know, guys taking turns running backdoor cuts through the lane. And now you got a few baskets on on plays like that where somebody had picked up their dribble, but Illinois was overplaying so much, and IU was able to take advantage uh, of some of those things getting to the basket. Also thought, you know, Illinois threw a 3-2 zone at IU. Uh, Hoosiers didn't panic the first possession. They nearly ran the shot clock out, but ended up getting a bucket from Juwan inside. I think they did run the shot clock out in the very next possession, but they got a baseline uh, drive from Al uh, after that. And I don't know that Illinois played too much of that, um, you know, from that point forward. So what did you see from a coaching standpoint? You know, talk a little bit about how they seem to prepare these guys to play, how they prepared them to play against the, uh, you know, against Illinois' defense and, and some of the things that you noticed. I know you touched on some earlier, but I think it's it's worth giving those guys a lot of credit because, you know, this team really looked like they came out knowing exactly how they wanted to attack and from an offensive standpoint executed what they wanted to do. Uh, I'm sure there'll be pieces of the of the defense that, that they won't be happy with uh, and some of the drives they get, they gave up there. Um, but, but offensively, I thought there were some uh, pretty impressive things tonight from the coaching staff getting these guys ready to go. I just think the offensive game plan was outstanding. When you play a team that is is up in your face, you've got to keep it inside the channel or whatever you call it in the in the lane area. You try to go with your dribble handoffs and your false motions to get mismatches. You're playing right into their hands, and you're going to take a lot of sh- late shot clock uh, shot attempts. And, and I, I just thought uh, that they they kept it inside that that channel all day long, and and then you know that you're doing a good job when a guy like Underwood gets out of his pressure man-to-man to a zone. Uh, that, that the, you know, the back cuts, the, the, the screen and rolls, the isolations in the post, those are all things that IU worked on between 
you know, Saturday and, and now uh, to get ready for the game. And it just definitely showed uh, against Illinois players got to play. Uh, there, there are a couple sets you can run and a couple entries. That's more of an entry uh, call than it is a full set because their defense is just pushing you and players got to make reads. Do I cut out? Do I back cut? Do I screen? Do I drive? Uh, what do we do on the screen and roll? Because when people are in your space, you got to go and you got to make decisions. Uh, going from point A to B to C in a set play is 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 not good uh, against heavy uh, pressure. You, players got to make plays, and I think Archie did a good job of putting players in position uh, to to make plays by running the offense through his point guard and through the post players at the elbows, as opposed to that side to side to side um, dribble handoff ball screen action that they 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 like to run. So I thought that was a really good adjustment. Um, and then I, I think, you know, we're not great against zones because we don't shoot, but the concept that Archie brings that had been foreign to the Indiana program for nine years was to actually get the ball in the middle and kick yep. it opposite and go to the short corner and do some things, uh, against the zone. And I, and I thought on the fly, the, the players did those concepts and have been taught those concepts of zone offense. I think there, that's the Evan Fitzner spot for now after his last yeah. performance. The zone, um, right? Just get it to him right you know, in the middle and let him and pop it, pop him out for a three or have him catch in the middle. You, you, you beat, you really beat zones by concepts again, not sets. Um, and, um, you know, there's some screening and a lob play and, and you can screen the top of the zone and stuff like that and run some sets. But, um, I think IU is poised to, to play basketball because they just played today and they took what the defense gave them and um, just an outstanding performance from the coaching staff, in my opinion. So the one thing I want to touch on before we, we go to break, it, it's hard not to watch the way this team is playing now and you know, kind of Ryan to what you said at the beginning, wonder, you know, where in the world has this been? The flip side of that is you also kind of look at it and you look at the way that Fennessey's playing and and how his concussion there really seemed to to get this team off track and then they lost confidence and things went from there. But I tell you, this looks like a team at this point where guys are really have settled into roles. You've got your full complement of players. You're getting contributions off the bench. Um, and it's a case where I think everybody's trying to, you know, not not – not go all in uh, after what we've seen for such a long stretch and, and get too excited about what we've seen. But I tell you, it, it's hard not to watch them and feel like this is, this is what maybe the vision was all along. Obviously the path to get here has not been what anyone uh, would have. That wasn't fun for you, Andy. That wasn't, that wasn't, no, fun I did not, I did not enjoy it. I don't think anybody enjoyed it, but, but it's funny because you, you sit there now and you look and everybody's pretty healthy, knock on wood. And, and you really start to see how this team has, has come together and what you attribute that to, to the post-Minnesota game and all those kinds of things, I don't know. Um, but it's it's fun to watch and be able to see this team at full strength and see what they can do uh, and see them build some confidence. So that is by no means a question to tee up to either of you, but it's, yeah. uh, it, it really, it, it's really something else to kind of watch and, and really see how the pieces have finally fit together now that everybody is actually healthy. Well, you know what's been great about it the last three games? They look like they're enjoying themselves. Like they look like they're having fun, and you know when when Romeo in double overtime makes that shot against Wisconsin to to basically secure the win, you see him like crack a smile. Romeo never smiles on the court, you know, I mean, rarely, and he smiles, and guys are chest bumping him and excited. And against Michigan State, you start to see them get that comeback over that nine zero run, and you start to see guys, you know, high fiving and and 
chest pumping and all of that stuff. And then today they did, there were grins all over the place. And it, it's again, you know, they lost to Minnesota and then was it Ohio state and in, in Iowa over the next two, I think, uh, or yeah. who was it? Lost yeah. to with, is that right? Uh, lost to Minnesota, then uh, Purdue at home, Purdue Iowa, at home. Iowa on the road. Purdue at home is the one I'm thinking of instead of Ohio State. Yeah, but you watch them play that uh, that Minnesota game. Then since then the defense has been really good. I mean they they didn't get the offense going against Purdue. They had a tough time offensively against Iowa in long stretches and got beat by a guy who was unconscious shooting threes. But you've seen a trend to where this team's getting better for a while. This isn't three straight games of this. This has been going on for a while, five games or so. And what you've seen is a team that is just starting to figure out that if they can play defense and then just have confidence on the offensive end that things are going to go right, and that if you cut hard and if you, you, you run the stuff and you're all on the same page, things will work out, and you're starting to slowly see that happen. Now, scoring 92 points against Illinois, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to go out and beat Rutgers on Sunday. you still got to come back and do that. But the confidence this team has built over the last couple games is going to be huge moving forward, especially if they beat Rutgers and put themselves firmly on the bubble to where – Hey, maybe a win in the Big Ten tournament gets you into the tournament. I know I'm with two bracketologists. I'm just talking, okay? Don't don't jump on me. But maybe a win gets you in. Maybe two wins get you in. But you're putting yourself in a position that three weeks ago you didn't think you'd possibly be in. And and you know the confidence you're building is building towards something. It's not just we're not just focused on next season anymore. We're focused on doing something here and making this special. Because you know what? You get to the tournament, anything's possible. I mean, legitimately, anything's possible. We've seen that in the last couple of years. We saw a 16 beat the number one overall seed last year. You don't think that this Indiana team with our lottery pick and Jawan Morgan and Rob Finnessy playing the way he is and a talent like Justin Smith and Deron Davis and, you know, some of these other guys, you don't think that this team could win some games? I mean, of course they could. We all know they can. We've seen the teams they've beaten this year. Are they going to face a team better than, I mean, other than Duke uh, on their schedule? They've beaten the best teams on the schedule pretty much. Um, so, I mean, Michigan State's probably the best team on the schedule. Michigan was probably playing better than Michigan State at the beginning of the year when they played them. But, I mean, they've gone toe-to-toe with top 10 teams and, and, and beaten some. So, this team can do it. It's just a matter of keeping that focus. And, and as, as Coach said about Justin Smith, just staying locked in because what you're doing right now, bottle it up because it's working. And you can beat Rutgers. We all know they can beat Rutgers. So come out on Sunday on senior day for the seniors and beat them. And then let's go play. Let's go to Chicago and let's go play with everything on the line. Uh, And the way this team's playing right now, I'll take that. If you tell me it's all dependent on them playing well in the Big Ten tournament and you give me the way this team's playing right now, I'll take it. Indiana is four and five since ending their seven game uh, losing streak. And in those, uh, there was only one really bad game at Minnesota. There were two heartbreakers against Bohannon who had incredible games, a late game collapse against Ohio state, a late game bounced in three by Klein to make, bring it into one against Purdue. So eight competitive games out of nine down the stretch. And I know you don't, you, you just can't take seven losses away, but without that seven game winning streak, Indiana 16 and seven in a very competitive big 10 I think the last nine games speak to where Indiana could have been, maybe a, a 500, maybe one game over, 10-10 uh, type team is where they might be. They're one game away from being 8-12 and 12 with a seven-game losing streak. 
in that seven-game losing streak, your first game is without your point guard. Your second game, he comes back and plays limited minutes, and you only lose by three at Maryland. And then you had a couple of stinkers in there. And then you had Devontae was out for his three-game suspension, and you had at the same time Davis was out. That's your sixth and seventh man. Uh, I don't. You got to play and the your games. Two juniors. And yeah, you got to play the games. But you've seen the the veteran presence of Green and Davis in the four wins down the stretch uh, in these last nine games. So you can really sit there and say that seven-game streak was really a crazy streak with some injuries, and you're down four or five guys. Uh, no excuses. you got to play, and you play the game to win. And our record is what our record is. But when you dig deeper into this thing, you know, 16 to – you could almost say 16 and 7 with as complete a team as you can have, and that's without race. That's without Hunter, and that's without McRoberts for most of the year. Uh, you know, so if you split those seven or go three and four in those seven, you're, you're talking 19 and 11 in a, in, in, in a year where you lose some key point, parts, that, that's, that's not horrible. Um, and, and I think that it shows now that uh, this team was a lot better than uh, 12 losses in 13 games, and, and they just had to overcome a, a, a lot of odd situations this year. Yep, I would it's agree. The hard, it's the hard luck season, man. We've been saying it for weeks. It's the hard luck season. Everything went wrong. Now things are starting to go right. And, and you know, hopefully, I, I think karma still owes us a few. So uh, I think that there's, you know, we'll, we'll take some more bounces if, if you're willing to give them uh, gods of basketball. All right, coming up in our final segment, we'll hand out our game ball. We'll talk a little bracketology. We'll talk a little Rutgers. And then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on IU's 92-74 win over Illinois. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni and we are breaking down IU's 92 to 74 road win against Illinois. And guys, it's time to hand out our game balls. I have a feeling this may be a clean sweep even though we had uh, so many guys play well, but I'll uh, I'll throw it to you. We'll see if we uh, we have consensus on this. Ryan, I'll go to you first on the game ball for tonight. Yeah, I got fantasy. 17 points, uh, five assists, a rebound in 32 minutes. Only one personal foul playing great on-ball defense and no turnovers. Uh, I give, I give a, of course, an honorable mention to Juwan Morgan. I thought he was great. Deron Davis, uh, when he was in, was really effective on both ends. But I, you got to give it to fantasy just because he controlled the flow of this game. He brought the ball up against pressure, wasn't phased by it at all, and he just, he was just a fantastic game for him. And, and regardless of the stats, I mean, you know, the stats are big and the finishes and, you know, he hit a, he hit a really key three early and all that stuff, but the guy, just his presence and uh, his ability to get through that pressure without, you know, and with just a calmness about him and the way he attacked the defense was just fantastic. And uh, really, um, you know, what he shows what we missed because, you know, coach was just mentioning when he was out, you know, he came back after a few games, but he wasn't right for, you know, a solid month and a half. And this is finally over the last couple of games, we're starting to see the guy we were missing and the guy that we had in, in December. So uh, it's been a long road back for him from that concussion, just getting up to game speed, getting his shot locked in and getting his attacking mentality back. But we saw it tonight and he was fantastic. 
Coach, who gets your uh, game ball for tonight? It, it has to be Rob Fennessy. Point guards are so important in running the offense, especially against pressure defense. And, and you know, Frazier gets 13. I think it's one below his average on the year. But it, Frazier never got in a rhythm to go on a really hot streak. Um, and, and I think Frazier – and I know they have – the big center that you can't pronounce his name and, and the Shumo and all these guys uh, who threw in some, some shots from deep that who was guarded. But uh, I, I think Rob's defense tonight, and he got that praise Saturday. Um, I thought he did a good job. Um, Cause that, again, that pinch post defense, that's hard to beat your man to the spot at that spot. And I thought he did a really good job all night better in the second half. And so along with all the offensive numbers, we can, Shout out about Rob. I, I thought his his defense, the, a couple of those steals on transition defense at the rim where he disrupted fast break moments were key, as mentioned earlier. So, yeah, easily to, to Rob. And um, just it, it's a true point guard. It's nice to have around for a few more years. Yeah, and I'll make it a uh, I'll make it a clean sweep with Rob. I think Jared even said uh, said the same thing that he would get his game ball as well. Um, if you look back, there's a few stats floating around that I, I won't read verbatim, but over the last nine games, he only has five turnovers, uh, over the course of those games, Rob does. Um, I'm not good enough at math to do these, uh, assist numbers quickly, but I think it's 23 assists over that time period. Um, could be, could be wrong in the neighborhood of 23, we'll say. Uh, and when you look over the last four games, he scored in double figures in three of those. Uh, the one he didn't was the Michigan State game where you could argue his defense was far more on Cassius Winston late in the game was far more important than, than actually scoring. And those are really the best runs of scoring games he's had since you know, the Penn State, Louisville, and Butler games where he was really ascending uh, into the role that that he seems to have you know retaken and, and gotten himself back into over the course of time. So just over a, a longer period of time, you've really seen him get back to the form that he showed earlier in the season and uh, and just continues to be a guy that you you enjoy watching now and you think about what he's going to be in a handful of years. He's going to be like Cassius Winston and me walking out with the Michigan State fan telling him I was glad to see that he was going to graduate and then finding out that he was only a junior. So uh, I, I think Finnessy's going to be that Ouch. guy for opposing fan bases for a while. Um, and so uh, he definitely gets the game ball. I think that's his third of the season if these, uh, if these stats are correct and uh, certainly a big game from him. So uh, Coach, I would be remiss uh, if with you on here if we didn't talk bracketology because I'm sure. All right, guys, uh, I'm out of here. You guys enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you and you and I will be inundated with questions now that this was kind of the the next hump to get over. So IU now 16 and 14. This was a quad two win uh, at Illinois. IU's got their six quad one wins in hand at this point. Uh, where do you where where do you think you guys at Delphi bracketology? We'll have IU uh, at this point. I think the Rutgers game is one you can't lose either way. But you know, kind of right. going as you as you head into the latter part of the week here, uh, where does that put them for you guys, roughly? Well, I'm glad I took a personal day to work on bracketology tomorrow. So I, I'm going to be at home. You can uh, field all kinds of questions. There you go. I can field all kinds of questions and, and look at resumes and all kinds of things. Here, here's the thing. I think Indiana has to be three games or better above 500 and end with no more than 15 losses. I just don't see a committee making another leap to adding a 16 loss. So the Rutgers game is vital. Um, and, and we had thought at, at Delphi Bracketology not to put teams in if they were only two games above 500 due to the track record of only Georgia, 
but we did not drop Texas out when they fell to 16 and 14. And, and a lot of people have kept Texas in. So you feel like a hypocrite if you have Texas in at 16 and 14 and don't have Indiana in at 16 and 14. And so, and then it's the Indiana bias. Uh, I don't want to put them in and jinx them and then have to take them back out. That'll just pain, be painful for me. <laughs> so what I did right before the show is I moved them up to the second team out right behind Creighton. And I'm going to be searching tomorrow for teams uh, that I think IU are better than. And I think I quickly found four or five that I could justify. Um, but I'm hoping that the, some teams lose uh, to make uh, my decision better. And that's hard when you're a fan of that team. But I don't like having 16 and 14 teams in, but both Texas and Indiana really wow you with some of their wins. Well, this is really a weird year, though, isn't it, too, where yes. two conferences are really strong, and so that yes. could cause more of those losses? Do you think that there's – I mean, because it's almost cosmetic to say a team that's two games above 500 or something like that. I know it looks bad, but this year is really weird as far as those two conferences being super heavy. Andy, right? do you think the injury uh, effect that we talked about here, about Finnessy being out, then coming back not being himself, then you had two juniors who were out three games during that stretch – last year – the tournament committee almost put Notre Dame in when Colston was out 11, 12, 13 games. Then Notre Dame came back and played well down the stretch just in the tournament. I think they won one game in the regular season and then two or three games in a tournament. And Notre Dame was the first team out of the tournament. Do, do you think that um, that might be a benefit to Indiana when that committee's talking? It's like, that's why I put together that 16 and seven outside of that seven game run. And inside that 17 game run, there were some major injuries, not just to one, but to multiple players. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to say that really surprised me that the Notre Dame was that close. If I recall last year, some of their worst losses that they had was when Colson was healthy, which was ultimately what led me to say, well, how in the world do you say they would have won? Not that anybody was really saying they would have won those games had he been in there, but I was like, you certainly, that seems like quite a leap when you look at some of the games they lost with him uh, as opposed to, you know, you know what, they, what they were without him. He was a different case in the sense that he was truly a star player on the team where it wasn't like IU was missing Romeo and Juwan. Yeah, preseason, he was, people forget, he was a national yeah. player of the year favorite at one point. So I think it, it's hard to figure out how the committee values you know, I, I hesitate to call, you know, Rob Finnessy the way he's played a role player it, it, the way he's been, but I think Duran and, and Devante fall into that category. So you never really know how they do that. There's so many injuries that compounded upon one another for you. So it, it'll definitely be considered. I just don't know if that's enough. And I'm, I'm a little bit like you of, I don't know that the two games over 500 things should really matter. And I'm also like you guys and had Texas in, um, in, in that regard but it is hard to when you're trying to predict what somebody's going to do you are looking at the historical precedent of it of has this ever happened and if it has what were the circumstances around some of that so i do think it'd be hard to watch iu over the last you know minus that minnesota game really over those times they've played pretty much exclusively tournament teams except for illinois and have played them very well even when they didn't win uh you just wonder if they you know dug themselves too big of a hole in some of those other games so they're going to be right on the Right on the border for Here's me. The, the Rutgers game becomes non-negotiable for sure in terms of, of if you want to make it, that's not a game you can drop at home to be a quad three loss. And one of the things that IU has going for it right now is they don't have any – if your definition of a bad loss is losing a, a quad three or quad four game, they don't have any right now. Here's the thing that worries me. Uh, you know, you get good wins, but uh, Indiana's now seven – they were seven and 14 going into tonight. Now they're eight and 14 against the top two tiers. 
quad one and quad two. Most of the teams that are in for us are nine and 11, 12, some combination of quad one and, and quad two. Indiana has a lot of quad one wins, but only now two quad two. The road record of three and nine is sitting there. Uh, there's some ways where committee members can argue, you know, hey, they had their opportunity in that 13-game stretch and they didn't get that done. Yes, they're playing well. So there's some areas that concern me um, besides the, the six wins. And then you have Louisville who slipped. And now Marquette is at a 29 in the net as of today. If they lose again and slip, that we, we lose a quad one win there number-wise. I know the committee's still going to look at Marquette as being Marquette, if, whether they're 31 or 29. Uh, but you have some of those issues um, uh, that, that creep up as well. I, I think, you know, I, I think Indiana will ultimately get in. I think the way they're playing, they're going to win their next two games. I wouldn't be surprised if they upset that quarterfinal game round and make it to the semis. That would solidify it. Um, Here's my question. I want to ask you guys. Does Indiana have this going for for them? Here's here's my question. They're Indiana. It's a brand name. You've got a senior in Morgan who has been, you know, I, I guess his, the shine on him isn't what it was to start the year, of course, as a potential, you know, all Big Ten first team or whatever. Um, but you've got a lottery pick in Romeo Langford, and people like watching players like that. Do you think that those factors have anything to do with what the committee is going to decide? Are they going to go straight by the numbers? Or do you think that maybe there's a, well, it's Indiana. I mean, you know, people are going to travel to go to those games. You know that you'll get a, a decent showing with Romeo Langford and things like that. I mean, for people who don't just crunch the numbers in bracketology, does that affect it at all? I, I would say no. I, I think it's hard to say that because I think even if that's what's happening, I think the, the things that we talked about before allow you to craft an argument that that doesn't call that out. Not that anybody would ever admit it if that's what they did, but I, I tend no, to, of course, of course, it'll I never tend to, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to feel like they, they look at it pretty objectively. I think the difference is if you want to put, put teams in based on just the, the quantity of, you know, high quality wins that you have, then you make that argument and you put IU in if you want to do it that way. I maybe I'm maybe I'm naive in that regard because I know people say like, oh, the committee sets up these matchups. I can tell you that the vast majority of times that is that happens because of various bracketing principles where you can't put certain teams in these, this place and that place and how they're trying to balance that out. So some of that stuff, uh, is, those those conspiracy theory type things to me are definitely not true. Um, so I, I, again, maybe it's naive. I don't think that goes into it. I, I can't think of an example historically off the top of my head that totally refutes that notion that that would happen. But I, I, I they do put like Trey young in last year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah but, if... but they had the numbers, they, they had the numbers yeah. and were in all year. Um, you know, um, you know, there have been some good players that have been left out. I don't know what their number, if their numbers were even respectable enough to look at, uh, you know, faults at uh, LSU and what uh, was Washington? Uh, yeah, faults yeah, at, at Washington, Simmons at, at yeah. LSU. So um, I don't think that takes. I think you have to have something. It might, Ryan, if there's something on the resume, or if it's like between two teams equally, maybe. You that know, maybe that's a committee members thinking that. But there's no outward. Hey, we need to get television matchups. We need to get the blue bloods in that kind of thing uh, if that way well, dang it why not they love Syracuse because they always put Syracuse in when all of us don't want Syracuse in so uh, maybe maybe there's some truth to that I, and this is a good point too I, I just say this real quick 
I never thought the committee did a good job until I started doing bracketology. And, and I still don't know if it's a perfect bracket, but I, I get more bothered with the NCAA criteria and how they do things and the geography of the bracketing. It, but the committee really does what they're tasked to. And barely do I have a problem with their decisions, maybe one or two a year that I just kind of would think differently of. But it's, it's the criteria and the rules behind it that the NCAA sets in place that you have – most people would have a really good argument. You know, Dickie V goes crazy on Selection Sunday about the committee and having more basketball minds in. It, it's really the, the, the way they have to make the decisions. But, yeah, there, I don't think there's any conspiracy that way. Yep. All right, so let's talk Rutgers really quickly. We're running a little bit long, but it's good to uh, – when you have a good road win to talk about, you want to you wanna linger on it for a little while. So Rutgers, since they played IU back in late January, they've gone 3-6. and six. Their wins came at Northwestern by three points, at home against Minnesota by four points, and then they won at Iowa on Saturday by 14. That feels a little bit like the outlier. They've lost at Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, and Michigan State, and lost at home to Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State uh, last night uh, on Wednesday night by a point. So, you know, as you, as you look at this game, IU right now projected by Ken Palm, 74% chance of victory. Uh, Rutgers is not that different than what they were before. They were 11th. They were 11th in the conference in offense and offensive efficiency and 11th in defensive efficiency. Um, they have, you know, really given up a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of opponents to shoot really well from three, uh, which IU has not, not been able to take advantage of too often, but a lot of, uh, a lot of not great rankings when you look at the conference rankings between these two. But, uh, again, if IU harbors any hopes for the postseason, this is a game that they have to win. Uh, it's senior day uh, for uh, for Juwan and Zach uh, and, uh, and and Evan. Um, Johnny Jager, I think, is on there as well. Maybe Quentin Taylor. He might also be a uh, be a senior. So, um, you know, big big senior day for those guys. An important game. Uh, what you want to see? It's a noon tip on Sunday against Rutgers. So uh, everybody get to the uh, assembly hall early for that one. Salute those guys who have uh, who have helped the program. Uh, Juwan in particular has been a, a joy to watch as we've talked about and another win puts him uh, a step closer to hopefully get into the NCAA tournament which would be a great way uh, for him to to wrap up his college career so guys anything to add about Rutgers before we go to the last call the concern is their their post presence they have several post players but I think now with race available uh, I think that gives some, a little IU a little more flexibility to attack uh, and defend them in the post uh, I, I feel pretty confident about Sunday yeah, their size really gave IU issues in the first game, and I don't believe Duran played in that game at all. Uh, I forget where that was within his injury time period, but they, yeah, their size really gave IU some issues. So it'll be good to have Duran available. Good to have Race available. Hopefully, that mitigates some of those things, and uh, and we go from there. So with that, uh, we will go to last call and wrap up our thoughts on the uh, on the game. And remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get fifteen percent off your entire order at hoosierproud.com and at homefieldapparel.com. So if you want to officially license IU gear, go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you want one of our assembly call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com on both sites. Use the promo code assembly at checkout for 15% off your entire order. And with that, we head to last call. Coach, I'll go to you first. What are your final thoughts on this uh, big IU win at Illinois? Uh, a couple things. First, thanks to everyone for uh, the meetup last Saturday and getting together. It's great being with all of you guys, the, uh, the assembly call guys on the show. It's also great to meet uh, uh, fellow fans. It was great. Shout out to my Chicago guys who 
met at Kilroy's and made me play beer pong with them. Uh, I told them I'd give them a shout out, Jack and Kennedy. They, they, they made you. I bet they had to twist your arm they, pretty they, hard. They made me, and then uh, he was giving me some coaching tips, and I hit two shots in a row. And so I, I, I think Jack knows what he's doing. He's a veteran of that game. Those guys were uh, tremendous. Great weekend Saturday, great win, followed by an excellent win to keep the season going, to keep this excitement going. Really proud of, uh, of the Hoosiers and the coaching staff for finding a way to to get Indiana basketball back to some level of relevance. And uh, let's finish out with a couple more wins and, and get, to, get to the tourney. All right, Ryan, final thoughts on tonight's game from you. Yeah, it was nice to just see this team go out and do something they haven't done in a while, which is just drop the hammer offensively, play really well, and to do it on the road. Uh, really impressive performance. Um, especially this late in the season, see these guys playing with this much energy. And uh, uh, really, obviously, I mean, IU fans, regardless of what happens at the end of the season, you know you found your point guard for the future because Rob Finnessy is legit, and he's going to be here for a long time and going to be a guy that Indiana can rely on for a long time. And and he start to understand why Archie Miller was so high on him last year when he came in and um, and, and was recruiting him. I will say I think that this team has a chance to do something special, and and rarely does that happen because they were buried a few weeks ago, and now they have a chance to go out, beat Rutgers, take a game in the Big Ten tournament, and and you know maybe make it all the way to the tournament. Something that you know again three, four, five weeks ago people were saying there's no way this team. I mean they they just they they've 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 given up. They've mailed it in. Uh, we were saying that at times they look like they mailed it in, and now they're clicking on all cylinders. They're healthy. And they're a team that can really do some damage because they've got that talent level that we talked about early in the season that makes you a dangerous team. Um, the key is playing like it. And now they're finally playing like it. So let's see what happens on Sunday. Uh, it is senior day, and, and we're certainly thankful for the seniors that uh, will be departing, particularly Juwan Morgan and, and Zach McRoberts have given a lot to this program. And uh, hopefully we can send them out with a win. And I think the boys are will be excited to do so because they look up to those guys. So, uh, And again, I echo Coach coach's thoughts thank you to everyone who came out last weekend it was a lot of fun uh it was great getting to shake hands and put you know faces to uh internet handles and all that stuff uh and, and getting to sit and talk with some of you guys have a couple beers and uh and talk about our favorite topic IU basketball so uh thanks for coming out and if you didn't make it you got to make it next year we're going to do it again obviously so uh you got to come out and and hang out with us it was a good time so Thanks for uh, helping out tonight, Coach, as well. And uh, I do have to kind of bolt to get to work. But we'll see you, thanks, dude. Guys. All right. See you, Ryan. Thanks. All right. So, yeah, that brings up uh, an important reminder um, for Sunday's game against Rutgers. As we typically do, we'll wait and do the postgame show after the senior speeches. Uh, we'll also share wherever those are going to be broadcast uh, so people can listen to those. I don't know the answer to that yet. I think typically they stream on BTN. Uh, where I don't believe you need a subscription. It's not like some of the other games. So we'll figure that out for you uh, sometime between now and Sunday. Uh, but we'll start the show after those senior speeches are done, after we can hear uh, those guys address the crowd and address the fans. Uh, and again, I would echo the same thing that uh, the coach and, and Ryan had to say. It was a lot of fun being in Bloomington. Certainly even more fun after a big win like that. And uh, always always fun to get back to campus and great to meet people uh, and talk about IU basketball. So it was a great time, great weekend. And uh, glad to have it followed up by a, a, a big IU road win. Um, that's one thing we didn't talk about from a bracketology perspective. It was good for IU to get another win on the road away from home, just their third of the season, but uh, a big one nonetheless. And, and for my last call, uh, I, I guess I would say that we can look back on all these games and, and lament what happened and 
wonder a little bit what might have been on some of them. But at this point, this team seems to have, uh, against all odds in some ways, picked itself up off the mat, uh, strung together some solid performances, uh, the first two of which did not result in wins, but the the last three of which have. And they, they've gotten themselves back into a position where there's something to play for. They uh, are starting to see some of that confidence surge. Tonight was the most points per possession, at least as I look through Ken Palm on the schedule this year. This was the best offensive performance from an efficiency standpoint uh, here in uh, in game 30, game 28, 29, whatever we are, 30, I think. Um, and and that's, you know, impressive that it is starting to come together. And it does stink that everybody wasn't there at various points during the season that, that made things harder. Um, but it's exciting to see this team play well. And, and who knows what that means for this year, whether they'll make the tournament or not. I know we certainly hope that they do. Uh, Coach and I will be doing our best to put aside our personal biases and what we hope will actually happen to try to do well uh, in the bracket matrix. But um, it, it's fun to have them back in the conversation because it, it felt like uh, not very long ago that that seemed like a, a, a non-starter as you would uh, get to that point. So kudos to these guys and the coaching staff for for finding ways to pick themselves up when uh, a lot of people were turning their back on them and, and saying the season was over. Um, and so let's hope they can string another win together. Uh, as cliche as it is to say, this team is at the one game at a time mode right now and just try to win the next game that's in front of you. Uh, for for now, that's Sunday against Rutgers, and then we'll figure out what happened to the Big Ten tournament from there. But uh, it's been impressive to see. It was great to see in person how well they played and how well they responded against Michigan State. Uh, and I think if anybody's like me, you really had no idea what to expect um, coming into the game tonight, how this team would react, how this team would respond to success. Uh, in and how they would do so in a road environment. And I thought that's what made tonight's performance all that much more impressive. And they just need to maintain it, not overlook anything against uh, a Rutgers team at home, send the seniors out with a victory, and uh, and send this team to the Big Ten tournament on a four-game winning streak. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about that with you on Sunday after the game and after the senior speeches. So uh, that will do it all uh, for us here. Uh, appreciate everybody sticking around with us late. We I know we went long and a lot to talk about the, the bracketology angle and uh, – and again, always good to linger on a big road, big 10 win for sure, given that uh, it had been, it, there haven't been too many of those to, uh, to do the, this season or even the last few. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops with you again on Sunday afternoon. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts. 
a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim.